0: Welcome to New Dentists on the Block, a podcast featuring new dentists sharing their experiences in the world of dentistry, successes, challenges, and life in between, navigating dentistry together one experience at a time. On today's episode, we have Dr. Rupali Kulkarni. Dr. Rupali is an assistant professor of oral medicine in the Department of Oral Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine. She's an attending at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania and the assistant director of the Oral Medicine Residency Program. She graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania in 2019 with her doctor of dental medicine and master of public health degrees. She completed her postgraduate training in oral medicine at Penn, serving as chief resident her second year. As faculty, she currently teaches pre-doctoral and postdoctoral students clinically in the oral medicine clinic and didactically on a wide range of topics within oral medicine and interdisciplinary care. Rupali and I had the opportunity to cross paths as students through our involvement in the American Student Dental Association. During my time as president, Rupali served as a district trustee and she followed suit serving as president of the American Student Dental Association in 2018-2019. She currently serves as a national media spokesperson for the American Dental Association and serves on several councils and committees in organized dentistry. It truly has been a joy to see Rupali grow in her leadership, and I think that you will find her story interesting as we learn a little bit more about oral medicine and what she does in the world of dentistry. Let's get to it. All right, Rupali Kolkarni, welcome to New Dentist on the Block. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I know it's been a while since you and I have last connected. I think it was SmileCon. Um, and before that, it was AsSA, And we had the opportunity to connect even more than. And sadly, we're just on different sides of the world. But this opportunity to have new dentists on the block is to reconnect so many familiar faces and to hear their stories and where they're at from, from graduating.
1: Well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. And I really want to credit you for creating a platform where new dentists can connect and talk about their experiences, their celebrations, their challenges. So I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Well, we all know that the new dentist experience is so unique and it changes every year. Uh, But we all go through similar challenges and struggles. So I'm excited to be sharing your story. Thank you. Rupali, can you tell me a little bit about Your decision to go into oral medicine—I know that that is not a very popular decision, but it is one that I guess I would say is kind of up and coming and has become a little bit more popular, and it's at least being spoken about within the realm of uh, the dental profession. Certainly,
1: that's an excellent question, and I do get quite a bit. As you mentioned, oral medicine is a very niche specialty, and it's not certainly a popular one. But I think a lot of that comes down to awareness of what the specialty even is. So. Oral medicine is the integration of dentistry and medicine together. And so it's essentially being a primary care provider of the head and neck region. So a lot of what we do is treat patients who have medical conditions that affect the mouth and jaws. So for me, my journey in dentistry was very much influenced by the mentors that I met. So I attended the University of Pennsylvania, and oral medicine was sort of born there. Uh, It started (laughs) way back many decades ago. And some people know the book, uh, Burkitt's Oral Medicine. So um, Lester Burkitt was actually the professor there, a chairman of oral medicine at Penn and really started this long history and tradition of of oral medicine there. So when I entered dental school, I started to build relationships with my faculty members, with mentors. I started to shadow and learn really what is out there in the field of dentistry. Uh, To me, I didn't even know it existed. And dentistry is so vast with many different options. And I learned that every single person has a unique skill set and new, you know, unique knowledge base that they can bring to the table. So for me, my passions of patient care, of um healthcare in general, of public health as well, mm-hmm. sort of led me directly to oral medicine. So I found it to be very this very unique skill set that you needed. It's sort of like putting a puzzle together. And I joke, one of my students the other day said being in oral medicine is sort of like being a detective. And I felt really cool. (laughs) I said, I I guess it sort of is. (laughs) That's a great
0: comparison. I I really like that.
1: Certainly. It just made me laugh. And I said, I guess that's true. So uh, I started to shadow and really see what the opportunities were within the specialty on on where it could take me in my career. And then ultimately, I just realized this was was my passion. This is what I could see myself doing every single day and being fulfilled and happy.
0: Oh, I, I love that. Now, before dental school, did you know anything about oral medicine and did you picture yourself going in this direction?
1: Truthfully, no. <laughs> I had no idea that it existed. And to, to be honest, I saw myself going into a private practice and, and doing more of traditional dentistry on the day to day. And coming to a school that has a bit of a focus on specialties, given all the different residency programs there, I was exposed early on to all the different specialties. And I felt very lucky to have the opportunity to be exposed to that, to shadow, Mm -hmm. and to really reflect on what I could see myself doing and being happy doing. And now I am a full-time faculty member, and I work with residents, I work with students, and I'm this specialist. And I had no idea it even existed several years ago.
0: I love that. And I want to talk a little bit because Alex Howell and I had the opportunity to talk about how there's this misconception between oral medicine and oral pathology. Could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about the differences? Certainly. There is a lot of misconceptions about oral
1: medicine. Um and The major difference is now pathologists as a whole, they certainly can see patients. Many of them do see patients. But their main responsibilities is to understand from a histopathologic standpoint what a diagnosis is. So for example, as an oral medicine specialist, I would be the person seeing the patients and doing the workup, perhaps doing a biopsy procedure, and then sending out that specimen to an oral pathologist who is able to diagnose it from that cellular level. So that's the biggest difference. And The scope of oral medicine is a lot more than pathology or mucosal Mm -hmm. pathology. It does include orofacial pain conditions. I treat a lot of patients with jaw pain or nerve pain, uh, patients who might have um, issues with their salivary glands. And then I really work on an interdisciplinary team, especially for patients who have different systemic diseases that might manifest orally. So it's a very team-based approach. It's all clinical. And as much as I love pathology, I am Mm -hmm. nowhere near the standpoint of being able to look (laughs) into a microscope (laughs) and say what, what that diagnosis is. So that's the major difference.
0: Very good. And for those who go through the oral medicine route, are most of the careers educational based, like in an education system? Or are there ways for those who are in oral medicine to practice outside of a school setting?
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of different options. I think what makes it sort of challenging is you're not necessarily going to see, um, you know, like a job posting oral medicine specialist needed, right? Sometimes you sort of have to create your own path. But I think that's the exciting part about it. So I have many colleagues who are in private practice. Many of them work uh, in a group practice. Some of them work with oral surgeons. Um, Other ones have just their separate own practice. And in addition, you could certainly go the route of academics like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also work in a hospital setting. So many uh, specialists choose to work in a hospital-based setting. And a lot of that comes down to the conditions that we treat because so many of them are medically based. A lot mm-hmm. of our referral base is there. A lot of our um, team collaboration and patient care is there. But I also have colleagues who are out at FQHCs and community health sites. So it's, it's really all over, which is which is what makes it exciting.
0: That's that's wonderful. And, you know, every every guest that I've had, we've had different discussions on how the dental profession is wonderful in, in the way that we can have different routes and avenues in practicing dentistry that we, that we would like to. So that makes me happy to hear that um, oral medicine within dentistry is also very, very similar and along the same lines.
1: No, certainly. So,
0: Rupali, fast forwarding to this day and age today, you are a adjunct faculty, clinical faculty member at UPenn. Is that right? I'm a full-time standing right. faculty member,
1: actually. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, it's a track called a clinician educator track. So I okay. do both clinical and didactic teaching, and I'm also the assistant director of the residency program there. So That's it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. The standing faculty part was actually pretty new. I was um, I actually applied for a brand new position, and it's really exciting to be full time.
0: Well, congrats to you. And I I love seeing everything that you're accomplishing. And I I think that's wonderful that you're doing uh, such wonderful things and such prestigious things in the world of academics and oral medicine. Um, Rupali, can you talk a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like?
1: Certainly. So as a clinician educator, my main responsibilities really are to be that clinician. So most of my teaching is on our clinic floor in our oral medicine clinic. So it's a brand new clinic that we opened up a few years ago. And it's to serve not only internally, but also externally referrals from outside dentists for their patients who need our oral medicine expertise. So like I said, a lot of what we treat are mucosal diseases, but also orofacial pain conditions, temporal mandibular disorders, um, manifestations of systemic disease. So I'm mainly there. I also have a dual appointment through Penn Medicine. So I practice in the hospital and that really runs more like a private practice. Uh, So we do use a medical model and I work with residents primarily there, but uh, it's very fast-paced. It's exciting. It's fun to be a part of the hospital system. And so my day-to-day is mainly clinic and seeing patients and working with students and residents. Uh, On top of that, I also help cover inpatients at the hospital with the residents, which is fun. I mean, that's a different sort of avenue of of dentistry. Definitely. Getting to, you know, work with our medical colleagues. And in a sense, there is a good interdisciplinary education going on uh, for patients who might, let's say, be undergoing, you know, cancer treatment and they need an evaluation or prior to like a cardiac surgery, they might need an evaluation. And then uh, part of my responsibilities are also to didactically teach, which I love. As you know, I love <laughs> I love lecturing. I think it's fun. Um, so from first all the way to you know fourth year, in some capacity, I get to help lead either lectures or seminars. And then I actually have a dedicated day towards research too. I absolutely love oh, good. research. Yeah, oh, I wonderful. think that's so important. It really lays the foundation for a lot of practice guidelines and change in our in our clinical thinking. That sort of evidence-based or evidence-informed right. approach. EBD. <laughs> <Exactly. The ABD. laughs> you get it that, that, you know, that we even believe that we use in public health, like every right. single day. Right. So it's sort of a mix of things, but that's what I love. Uh, I'm not the type of person that can do the same thing every day. And there are certainly people who can, and I respect them for that. Uh, but for me, I like having that sort of mix of responsibilities.
0: We we are definitely two people who um love to talk. So I can see that you must really excel when you give those clinical lectures. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad that you're involved in research, because that really is what pushes our profession forward. And I'm sure that you all are discovering so much as you continue to learn and, and grow and grow the specialty. Um the specialty has been around for a while, but was recently-ish recognized. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So it's been
1: around for, like I said, many a decade, I think. We just did some uh, brush up on our history I think it was actually officially established at Penn at 1944. I was like, oh, wow. It's wow. a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not a history buff by any means, but we were just brushing up on our oral medicine knowledge. And then it just recently became recognized by the American Dental Association, and that mm-hmm. was in 2020. So what's really- oh, that is unique, pretty recent, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty recent. What's really unique was the first time that we really got to announce it was at ASDA annual session that year oh, to cool. the students. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. One of my mentors, who's now my colleague, who spearheaded a lot of this, these types of initiatives towards specialty recognition, actually came to speak at the conference and got to announce it officially. Oh, so that's so It was so really cool. exciting. Yeah.
0: How nice. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the coolest thing, in your opinion, that you do in a clinical setting as an oral medicine professional.
1: I think the coolest thing is probably... Helping a patient realize what their diagnosis even is. So, by the time someone has come to an oral medicine specialist, they have seen on average five to eight other providers. And so, I think a lot of times people see oral medicine as sort of their last hope or their last place to go. And because we focus on fairly rare conditions that tend to be chronic in nature, that's really what the specialty is focused on. And so, a lot of what we do is not only the diagnosis, but of course, the management of those conditions. And so, Almost every single day, I'm able to give someone an answer to a question that they've been looking for for a long time. And Dr. Google does not know everything. So, I like to to say that. Dr. Google does not know everything. Um, (laughs) WebMD. So, it's it's really rewarding for me to be able to work with patients where they, they get an answer and they finally sort of understand what's going on. And I think understanding is the first piece to being able to tackle something that's, that's chronic in nature. And I think that's probably one of the coolest things I'm able to do. I mean, there like this light bulb moment that a patient has. And so it's sort
0: of, it's very unique to be a part of that. That is so cool. And yes, that's very much like an investigator. Solving the mystery. Yeah. Solving the mystery. we probably, I want, I want to take us back. So for our listeners who don't know, we're probably and I crossed paths when we were in ASDA. Um, you were on my board and then I served as um, your immediate past president when you served as president, which was absolutely phenomenal. Can you talk a little bit about how your ASDA experience was? I say
1: this to my students, I say this to my dental colleagues, ASDA is the reason why I still love dentistry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I entered dental school, I was trying to figure out, you know, what what would be my passion or what would I Mm -hmm. want to contribute my time and energy to? And there are so many different options. And when I learned that there was this association that truly believed in the power of the dental student's voice, that's what sparked my interest. And it made me understand that there is a bigger world out there than just school. Our profession is so vast. I mean, there are so many different issues that are impacting healthcare, that are impacting our patients. And I felt empowered to be a part of that, to, to try to make some positive difference or change. And so I think the advocacy portion of the association is really what sparked mm. my interest. So then I started joining at all levels, my chapter, the district. And I've always been very passionate about personal and professional well-being. And so I developed a passion for wanting to promote the wellness initiatives that Azure had already started. And I started that at the chapter level. I became actively involved. I ran as trustee and then, of course, served, yes, alongside yes. you. And I'll be honest, you're a big reason why I wanted to continue my, my sort of trajectory oh. in ASDA. I just well, was like, you. you know what? I really believe in, in honor, I guess, of, of Women's History Month. I really believe in, That's right. in, in, the <laughs> in the power of, you know, so sort of this women empowerment or in, in the power of sort of these voices that are not necessarily always heard. And you're one of the people I saw, and I said, Wow, I really want to be able to do something like that. So I ran for president, and lo and behold, I held that position. And of course, you were one of my mentors as, as immediate past president. And truthfully, it was life changing. I'm sure you could say that too about your experience. Oh, but
0: absolutely, absolutely. It's really
1: what helped me understand the, the power of our profession and the community that we have. So it really laid the foundation for what I decided to keep staying involved in after I graduated. And for me, ASDA was really my home throughout dental mm-hmm. school. So mm-hmm. from all the dental students I met across the country, to the staff that we worked with, mm. to the dentists that we had the chance to meet in all of our meetings and travels, I mean, truthfully, they, they're the people who are in my heart all the time. So I, I can only say good things about my experience in ASDA.
0: Uh, thank you so much uh, for those kind words that you shared about me. They, they mean more than you know. And and uh, that was a very life-changing time for me. And I completely agree. I think that ASA for me was an outlet to get away from school. And the community that was built through ASA, I think, was just exceptional. And, and many people uh, who we... St- still talk to today who we're still connected with. I would say that many of my close friends are, are those who are involved in organized dentistry. Um, they kind of, I mean, we share a similar passion aside from dentistry, and we want to see the profession grow. And uh, a lot of those leaders are those who we cross paths with in ASDA. And it's great to see how, as a student, there's that avenue to catapult you, you know, to be that introduction to organized dentistry as a student. And Catapult you into the future in your involvement in organized industry once you are a professional.
1: Absolutely, I could not agree more, and I'm so glad we have maintained our friendship even after. Absolutely. Oh <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes,
0: yes. And, and you know, one of the coolest things I think is that we we probably have friends and and colleagues all over the nation, and you know. At one point, and I think I, we still probably can. But if there is somebody who's looking for a job in a random state, we probably could find a connection there oh, for absolutely. them. To help, <laughs> like either find a home or another job for them. Um, I think that that's just uh, the power of what organized dentistry and a brings to different communities. Certainly, I could not agree more. And how how would you say in your life that ASA catapulted you into your leadership roles now?
1: Truthfully. I felt so empowered to develop my leadership style while I was in ASDA and to focus on what I was truly passionate about, which is relationship building. I remember even saying that as part of my sort of platform. I said, to me, Mm -hmm. what's the most important thing are the relationships that you build and Mm -hmm. the genuine connections that you build. So. For me, it was actually the mentors, the relationships I had with them, as well as the friendships I built with my my peers, my peer leaders. And so ultimately, when I transitioned out of being immediate past president, I was a new dentist at that time. And mm-hmm. I was able to sort of get right away involved in my local and state components. and It was because I had been so fortunate to build relationships with people who not only wanted to see me succeed and our generation succeed, but also saw the value of having new dentist voices a part of this dialogue. That's what was really the most meaningful to me.
0: Yes, and that's huge. And I feel like we are seeing a transition, not everywhere, it's slow, but uh, in the welcoming of new dentists and getting them more involved in higher leadership roles where we're seeing, you know, younger people at, at in the higher positions, which is really exciting because like we mentioned at the beginning, new dentists have a unique and distinct set of problems that are, are very different. And I would say that at every phase in your career in dentistry, your problems will be unique and different. And as times kind of continue, um, you know, depending on what the world pre- presents us, it'll continue to kind of ebb and flow with that. So it is exciting to see that the world of dentistry is very welcoming to everyone pretty much across the board. I would agree that it's not just,
1: to me, it's not just those buzzwords anymore that we talk about Mm -hmm. every time we talk about diversity, equity, Mm -hmm. inclusion. We're really creating that sense of belonging or an inclusivity in the profession. And I think this is just the start. This is truly just the start.
0: Yes. So you are an ADA spokesperson. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I am. Cool. <laughs> what what does that role entail and what, what do you
1: do for the ADA? Yeah. So I, I hold a couple of different positions within the ADA. So yes, uh, I am a media spokesperson, which is just so fun for me. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah. 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 Especially as, you know, I love, love talking and you know, <laughs> lecturing and all that. So Yep. What I get to do is actually speak directly to media outlets about topics within dentistry. And so a lot of it is um, journal based. I'll be asked to interview um, for, you know, on a specific topic. Um, and it's sort of fun because it allows me to keep up to date with what's going on in the dental profession, but also speak on behalf of our profession in a very uh, sort of large scale way. And so I get to interact with uh, media outlets, news outlets, uh, fairly frequently, actually. And for me, that's just a lot of fun. I love chatting and, and getting to know sort of what topics are out there, especially those that are considered more mainstream. So questions, for example, that our patients have, you know, we get mm-hmm. to talk about that in a way that reaches them beyond just, you know, what they hear at a dental office. So that's sort of the unique part about being a spokesperson. And then I actually am a new dentist who sits on the advisory committee on annual meetings. So uh, we were talking about, you know, how we reconnected at SmileCon. So I'm really excited I get to be a part of helping make SmileCon, you know, come to life in a sense. So that's been a lot of fun for me
0: this year, too. SmileCon in Houston was so fun. Obviously, I'm biased as a Texan. And, and, (laughs) you know, having lived in Houston for a few years, I absolutely loved it. And the evening events were so fun. The camaraderie was excellent. And just reconnecting and and meeting new people was so fun. And I I can imagine that Orlando 2023 is going to be just as fun or even more. I'm assuming you'll you'll be there? I absolutely will be there as
1: part of um, the advisory committee. And we'll be helping to welcome people and keeping things flowing and, and making sure everybody is feeling included. And I'm really excited. You'd be so proud. In Houston, I, I bought a, a cowgirl hat. And Heck yeah. Yes, yes. I was very excited. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for Orlando. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, magic happening. And um, yes. so I look forward to that. But yes, I will be there. And I'm really looking forward to connecting with our colleagues all across the country mm-hmm.
0: there. Yes, it's such a great time to just reunite with everyone from everywhere because, you know, you, you and I don't get the opportunity to see each other often at all. No. And so uh, meetings like this, is, is, they're so much fun just to see all the familiar faces. Rupali, where would you say that you would like to see the dental profession in the next 10 years? That's a great question. So as an educator,
1: I think this is always on my mind. So I'm, I'm always thinking about sort of the next generation and how to connect with them and how to work with them. And for me, there are sort of a few ideals that I see, and maybe that's my public health perspective of idealism (laughs) coming out, but there are a few things. One is, I hope that all of these topics that we talk about within DEIB or, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, aren't just an innate part of our profession. And that's from every perspective. That means people who are becoming dentists, how do we create you know, this inclusivity or remove barriers to people becoming dentists, but two, how are we connecting with our patient population? So for me, the most ideal would be that everybody has access to dental care. So we remove Mm -hmm. those barriers. Yes, 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 that's public health for me, but removing those barriers to being able to seek the care that you need. And I think that comes from all avenues. I think that comes from Advocacy, I think that comes from education, and I also think that comes from building community from patient to provider as well. Um, the other thing is we are booming with our changes in our landscape and that also includes technology and how we've incorporated that into the profession to help move us forward. I think something I think about is technology can be excellent, but can also be overwhelming and right. to keep up with the changes. So for me, I see it as a way to move the profession forward without re- replacing what it really means to build a genuine connection with your patient. And I, I don't want it to necessarily detract or take away from the patient experience. And so ultimately... For me, what I see is everyone being able to have access to care. They see people that look like them represented in our field and that Mm -hmm. we're using technology in ways to actually build
0: connections rather than hinder them.
1: So that's my ideal in the next 10 years,
0: I suppose. I completely agree with that. My why is very much, you know, access to care, ensuring that all of our patients have an opportunity to see a dentist regardless of what their means are. And uh, I would love to see more technology incorporated in a public health setting. I think that we are getting better and there are a lot of public health clinics who are bringing in scanners. And I'm really, really excited to see that because I think that technologies should be Available for all patients, regardless of their means, as well too, um, and hopefully you right. know more of our public health clinics start incorporating a lot of that, so that way their workflows can also increase and turnover times can can increase as well too. For us, uh, you know, I'm at a FQHC that's kind of far away, but whenever we send things out to the lab, sometimes it can take some time because it takes a while for them to come out to us, then to take it out, mm-hmm. and we don't know how the mailing system is going to be and then bring it back, so that slows things down so much. And if we could just scan something really quick to get it out to the lab, I think that it, it would just increase our, our turnaround times by a ton.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've started to use those within the hospital system as well. And you know, when I reflect on sort of access to care and the use of technology, I also think, and I reflect on my time as a faculty member in our care center for persons with disabilities. And so part of my you know belief in promoting this access to care is how do we also not only reach you know, people who might have transportation mm. issues or might have financial issues, but as well as patients who have physical or intellectual or developmental disabilities, and that's a big part of what I believe in and am a proponent of, and have learned so much even throughout my time as a faculty member and working with that population.
0: Yes, that's huge. Uh, that's yeah. I think that everyone should have a way to get transported to their appointments if they don't have the means to do that. Um, that's that's huge and. I think that we need to, everyone needs to continue doing research on that and advocate for funding for for more availability of those options. Rupali, if you could provide some advice for a dental student or a new dentist that's just coming out of school, what would that advice be? It's very normal to have
1: imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome Mm -hmm. and to feel as though you're wearing a lot of different hats. But I think it's important to remember that part of being in this profession means that you're learning, but you're not learning alone. And I have reminded myself that so many times every day, that I'm very fortunate to be a part of a profession that values community, that values mentorship. And so ultimately, I would say, don't Ever feel like you're alone going through this process. Um, It can feel daunting every day trying to do a new procedure or a new process or working with someone new. And I think that's what makes, you know, a lot of what we do very challenging. But at the same time, when you've achieved that sort of new step or that new skill or the new procedure that you've mastered, it is also so rewarding to know that you're doing it for your patients. So ultimately for me, it's about relying on my colleagues and my mentors. And that's what I try to discuss even with the next generation, right? So every day when I speak with students, I say, I have an open door policy, come and talk to me anytime, because I think you can always learn from someone else's perspective. And they could bring something new to the table for you to think about. And for me, that's, that's truly what got me through dental school, as well as being a new dentist is remembering that I'm not alone in this.
0: They say growth is not linear. And that is very true in the dental profession. Surround yourself by others who want to strive to be better and Hopefully you'll find others like Rupali who have that open door policy where you can go and ask questions and find that home. I think that we all had mentors and people who helped us through in dental school. And I'm the dentist that I am because a lot lot of their guidance in dental school definitely would not have made it out. Rupali, if our listeners would like to connect with you, what's the best way? I am available
1: all over. (laughs) Other (laughs) than your open door policy. (laughs) Open door policy. Yes. You can connect with me via email, via social media. I'm happy to share all that information. Uh, I think we're lucky we live, like I said, in a technology based world. And so I'm certainly open to multiple avenues of communication.
0: So any last thoughts for our listeners today?
1: I just want to say thank you again. Truthfully, Something I really, like I said, have been talking about throughout our, our time together is this idea of community. And you're one of the people who is spearheading this this belief of community. And I think that's so important to connect with people who have the same values as you, who are going through the same struggles as you, because I think ultimately we all have the same goal, right? We all want to help people. We all want to push our you know profession forward. So I really want to thank you for doing that and sort of being a trailblazer in that sense. And the other thing is, I just have to compliment you on the name. Oh, thanks. I think it's excellent. (laughs) And and the logo, I have have to share something very nerdy. So I'm a big theater fan. And I guess I must have been in middle school and I went to go see Wicked. Mm -hmm. And when I went to see Wicked, Joey McIntyre was Fierro, who was the male lead. And he was on New Kids on the Block. And... And so every time anything has to do with New Kids on the Block or there's some sort of take on that, I get really excited. So I absolutely love the name and I love your design. So I just thought I'd share that.
0: Oh, thank you. I I love puns and plays on words and and I drew the the logo. So I... Ah. Yeah, so this exciting. is a way for me, a creative <laughs> outlet, and it's an opportunity to connect with like minded individuals, unlike minded invi- individuals, and catch up on different people's stories. And probably I, I love seeing your leadership. I have loved seeing your growth since we were students. And I really appreciate everything that you're doing for your students and for the profession. I, I hope that we continue to see the profession grow. And I hope that we continue to see new dentists and especially women become involved you know, um, share their voices, share their thoughts because it's so important for what the future of the profession will look like.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for your continued friendship and mentorship. And
0: I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you in Orlando. Yes, we will definitely see each other in Orlando. Rupali, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of New Dentists on the Block. If you'd like to connect with Rupali, you can find her on all social media platforms from LinkedIn to Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at Rupali dot Kulkarni. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and on all major podcast platforms. We would love if you would leave a review for the podcast. If you have a new dentist that you would like to recommend for the podcast, be sure to send an Instagram message to at new dentist on the block. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.